Hello everyone, good morning, good evening, good night. We're in Luke 15, verses 1 through 2. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Many that were considered hopeless in society started coming to Jesus. The religious leaders, of course, were appalled at this and began to gossip amongst each other. In response, Jesus tells three parables or stories, all having to do with something that is lost, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son or the lost son. All three teach that God is concerned over the salvation of the lost. He longs for sinners to be saved. Some see these as believers coming back to Christ, while others see them as the unsaved being brought to salvation. Remember the context of these parables. As we walk through them, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who were upset that he was surrounded by sinners. Verses 3 through 7. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." This parable seems easy, right? One sheep lost, the owner leaves the other sheep to find the one lost sheep. Sheep are pretty dumb animals. They need guidance and often go astray. The Pharisees could have easily seen these sinners as dumb lost sheep, but the Pharisees were lost sheep as well, because all have sinned. No one is perfect. The shepherd was responsible for the sheep. If one sheep was lost, then the shepherd had to pay for the sheep out of pocket, unless he could prove it was killed by an animal. Genesis 31, 38-39, and Exodus 22, 10-13. He also gained a reputation for being a bad shepherd. This is why he would leave the 99 sheep to find the one lost sheep. When the lost sheep was found, there would be great rejoicing. Jesus was not saying that the others were not important, but they were safe. The one sheep was lost and in danger. We focus on the purpose of the parable and not assign a role for each character. Jesus does not assign a person for all the characters and things in his parables, so neither will we. There is joy for all who repent from our shepherd and his friends that join with him. When sinners turn away from destruction, there is great joy. Personally, I believe this can mean saved or non-saved sinners. In both cases, there is repentance, a return to the fold, and rejoicing. Verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the same deal as the sheep. This time it was a coin. A woman loses a coin, finds it, tells others to join her in rejoicing. Here we learn some of the participants in the rejoicing are when a sinner comes to God 
the angels. This parable also emphasizes the thoroughness of the search for the lost coin. There is work to find the lost coin and joy when it is found. There is a small difference in the lost, though. The sheep was lost because of his own foolishness. It strayed and left the fold. The coin, on the other hand, was lost because of the carelessness. It is scary to realize that souls can be lost because of our own carelessness. These lost things were not where they were meant to be. Hence, they were lost. In either case, sheep or coin, the owner searched. Without this search, the lost would have remained lost. Yet, when they were found, their purposes were restored to them, and there was great joy for the master and those who were with him. God searches for sinners. Now listen to that again. God searches for sinners. He wants them. The Creator God Almighty, who holds the sun, stars, and atoms in place, chases after sinners, his creations that rebelled against him. Can you believe this? God chooses to save us, his enemies. What an indescribable honor and privilege. Verse 11. And he said, A man had two sons. Okay, before we go further, remember the context of this parable. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who were upset that he was surrounded by sinners. So Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. We'll note from the beginning that this man had two sons. Just at a glance, we will see a difference with the father than with the shepherd or the woman from before. While they searched for their lost items, the father waited eagerly for his younger son. Verses 12 to 16. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of my estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the, young, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens that, of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. The younger, foolish son demanded his portion of the father's estate. This was an unusual request, as this was typically not given until the father had died or until he was unable to manage it well himself. This was like a slap in the face to the father. It was basically saying the younger son wished his father to be dead. Despite this, the father gave his son the inheritance. The elder son stayed with his father and tended to the estate. The young son went to a distant land and squandered all of his money on loose living. This may have included gambling, bad investments, and living a life of pleasure. He was living a life of sin. When he finished all his money, a famine occurred, and he was without a means to supply for himself. To make ends meet, he hired himself out to feed pigs, which was the most unclean animal to the Jews. He was even to the point of gladly eating from their food, since he was so hungry. As a Jew, he could stoop no lower. Sin promises many things, but it never comes through. All its promises end up being traps. It brings slavery, failure, and death. All it brought the younger son in the end was misery and slavery. It would have brought him death too, 
were it not for verse 17. Verse 17 through 19. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. In this extreme low, the son comes to his senses and remembers his father. He decided to return home, admit that he was wrong, repent, and be hired as a servant. It was better than being in the pigsty. There is a certain aspect of, aspect of sin that is insane. We as creatures go against our Creator every time we do, yet we continue. Had he stayed in the sty and just wallowed in misery, it would have been an incomplete repentance. But he got up and went to his father. He knew he was not worthy to be called a son. He would have been happy just being a servant. He started the parable, wishing for any place but home, but now he was thinking there was no place like home. Verses 20 to 24. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost, and he has been found. And they began to celebrate. The young son tells his father he is not worthy. He asks for forgiveness. Yet before we even see that, we see something very curious about the father. The father saw his son from way long off, and he did something that was, again, scandalous in that culture. He ran to his son. Despite being shamed by him, he ran off and met him. He was excited to see him. Now, again, older men did not run. It was seen as disgraceful and much more an insulted father. But despite this, he was eagerly hoping and waiting for his son to return. According to the law, the sons should have been stoned. If you look at Deuteronomy 21 to 18 to 21 for his rebellion. Yet when the son arrived, the father hugged and kissed him. The father heard the confession from the son and completely disregarded it. The father had already forgiven him. He told his servants to prepare a feast and to prepare his younger son. The son would be given a place of honor, not because of anything he did, but solely because of the father's love. Servants did not wear rings or robes. The son was accepted again as a son. God is excited to receive sinners into heaven. He has paid the cost, and any that come to him in repentance, admitting their wrong and turning away from it, are accepted into his family. We can easily see God as the Father, waiting with excitement for his wayward children to come home. Every single one of us starts this life dead and lost in our sins. But when we come to Jesus, we are given new life. Verses 25 to 32. 
Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. The final section of the parable focuses on the older son, who probably represents the religious people of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes. The older son was not guilty of outward sons like the younger son, um, of outward sins like the younger son but of sins of the spirit and mind that could not be seen. The older son and the religious Jews both despised the younger brother, or the sinner, for coming to the father. The older brother came home from working and found that there was a feast for the return of his younger brother. Instead of being happy, the older brother was angry and displeased. His mentality was, I have worked all this time and I never got a party. Sounds pretty childish. It is amazing how often we end up acting like children, as adults. We act like selfish brats, always looking for our own way. Neither the Pharisees nor the older brother wanted a celebration for those that were saved from destruction. We also see that the older brother had worked for the father, but never mentions a relationship. It seems like he had worked out of duty or for a reward, much like the legalistic Pharisees. The Pharisees had been given access to the law and were part of God's chosen lineage, yet they drowned these privileges with selfish, sinful ambitions. Were it not for Jesus, I probably would have been a legalist. Yet he showed me the depths of my sin, and now I am forgiven, like the young son. The elder son did not love his brother, nor did he love his father. He did not want a celebration for his brother. In fact, he did not even want the brother to be back. The younger brother seemed more like a threat to the elder brother's estate than a brother to welcome home. The elder son was self-righteous. His laws were the right ones. Forgiveness was not an option. When we are self-righteous, we do not see our own sins. We condemn others for their sin in an attempt to bring them lower and exalt ourselves. The father went out and pleaded with his son. He explained that all that, had, that he had was the elder brother's. The wealth that was left from the father was the older son's, because the younger had already squandered his portion, yet we do not see the final reaction of the older brother. Jesus leaves the parable open-ended. If you are lost and dead in this world of sin, you can come to the father. He is waiting for you with arms wide open. There will be no rejection. If you have delved into the truth, but are still lost within your own legalism, there is hope for you too, because you are also a sinner. There is a choice to be made. Will you follow your own self-righteousness and remain its slave, or will you choose to repent, have faith in Christ, and become his son or daughter?